So the message this morning I titled, Help My Unbelief. Help My Unbelief. There was a man that asked Jesus that. Help my unbelief. Before I read the scripture, I'm going to ask Brother Terry, could you open in prayer this morning? Amen. Thank you, Terry. You know, another thing I'll be glad to see going is these, because singing with the, well, I'll be glad when we can sing without them. It is hard to sing with them things on. And the women kind of had an advantage. You had two women up here that didn't have masks on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to do that. They also messed up one of our verses. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Don't want to hear any more excuses, right? Just get to the message. <laughs> yeah, amen. Hey, laughter is good today, right? And when he came to the disciples... He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Right away, man, when they look and see Jesus, wow, there he is. There's the one that's been healing everybody. There's the one that's been giving us these amazing teachings. They were glad to see him. They ran to greet him. And he asked the scribes, Why are you, or what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and, the, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. I'm going to pause again. That's why I asked for prayer beforehand. Immediately, immediately whenever the, the, the child came that had the, the evil spirit in him, he fell to the ground, wallowed on the ground, foaming at the mouth. My friends, whenever an evil spirit comes into the presence of mighty God, it cannot stand. It must fall. Remember the one gospel account shares whenever the mob came to arrest Jesus, they all fell back. When Jesus stepped forward, they all fell back and fell to the ground because evil cannot stand in the presence of light. The darkness will flee in the presence of light. Remember that. So he asked his father, how long has, he been, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried, and cried out and said with tears, 
Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. The passage that preceded this passage of scripture, where Jesus cast a demon out of the young boy, and you know, he comes and sees the disciples. Now, as when you read the scriptures, always got to take into consideration, you don't know that the event recorded in the previous chapter or the previous segment immediately happened. You know, we don't know that. But the one that was before this was the Mount of Transfiguration. So we know that Jesus took James, uh, Peter, James, and John with him up there. Of course, when they saw Moses and Elijah, first thing they wanted to do is let us build a shelter for you. You know, they're just so excited, they don't know what to say. So they're up on this mountaintop. They have this mountaintop experience with Jesus. And I don't know if they were with him when he's coming and sees the scribes disputing with them or if all twelve were there and maybe there was some time that lapsed between. I don't know. But the point is, at least a few of them got to experience that mountaintop experience. And now here they are. They're back down. They're back down in the valley, if you will, battling evil spirits, right? My friends, the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ is not always lived up there on the mountaintop. Is it? I mean, we might enjoy those mountaintop experiences sometimes. We go to that praise and worship concert. We go and hear a wonderful preacher someplace. We have our praise and worship at home. Uh, things are going good in our lives and... You know, God's answered prayer. We're, we're, we're on that mountaintop, right? But is that where our lives are normally lived? No. No, exactly. They're usually down in that valley, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Down in that valley. You know, you think life is going good, and the next thing you know, you get that, bad, that, that phone call that you've been dreading, you know, from the doctor. This is not good. Or someone in your family is suffering, or someone's in an accident, or... Someone's attacking your family, you know, in some way. Evil's, evil's out there lurking all the time, right? So that's where our lives are normally lived. The mountaintop experience is not where we normally live. It's in the valley or in the battle. is where we normally live our lives. How embarrassing it must have been for the disciples not to be able to deliver that young boy. Previously, in Mark 6, we know that Jesus had previously given them power and authority. He told them to go out and preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. He gave them that authority. But here, they were unable. They could not do it. Unable to do it. So they find themselves in this argument with the scribes. The scribes 
are there witnessing this. They saw that the disciples were unable to do it. Now, if they were good and godly men as they claimed to be, should they not have said, can we help? Can we join our prayers to yours? But no, that's not what they were doing. The scribes, the Pharisees, the elders, the religious leaders were always trying to find a way to trap them. A way in which to accuse them. You guys are a bunch of heretics is what they thought of them. Seriously. So instead, they're there disputing with them when Jesus showed up. Jesus, the scribes thought they had the upper hand, but my friends, Jesus shows up, doesn't He? When Jesus showed up, He showed them who had authority. But I can tell you the one that was the most glad to see Jesus show up, and that was the father of that young child. The father's one explained to him what was going on. Could you imagine, we're using our imaginations here a little bit this morning, could you imagine the father, it doesn't say anything about the mother, but could you imagine the parents of that young child, how worried and how exhausted they must have been? I mean, at any given moment, any given day, that demon would cause that child to be thrown into the fire or thrown into the water. I wonder how many times... We don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us. How many times did they have to rescue that young boy? Pull him out of the water. Give him mouth to mouth. The reviving. How many times did they have to pull him out of the fire and clean his wounds and bandage his wounds? We don't know. We don't know how many times. But we know how much we love our children. He was compassionate about finding help for his young child. We know that, you know, if you have a, even an elderly loved one that needs constant care, that is tiresome on that caregiver, isn't it? Continually having to watch out for that child because we know that Satan comes to kill and destroy. He was trying to destroy that child. The father says, can you help us? The main point of this is faith. Faith. Faith, my friends, is one of the spiritual gifts. I think most of you probably knew that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are differences of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Friends, there it is, the gift. Faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Another passage on faith, just one verse, Romans 12.3. I'm not sure. If, yeah, you got it. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. My friends, God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. But He gives it for what? For the profit of all. Amen? He didn't give you that measure of faith for yourself. He gave it for the profit of all. Not to make you look good, but to help others for the profit of all. Amen? It is my belief that everyone who repents of their sins puts their trust in Jesus Christ, who has accepted Him as their Lord and Savior, has faith. But it does seem like some people have that extra measure of faith, doesn't it? Now come on, we know those kind of people. They pray and stuff happens. Amen? Amen. And praise God for those warriors, those Ones with that great measure of faith. But friends, we want to get there, don't we? Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, increase my faith, right? I think Jesus' response whenever the disciples ask, why could we not do it? I believe it's very important. And we must understand this. He said that this kind, or that kind, can only come out by prayer and fasting. So I have to believe that they were successful on their other journeys, but that kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Think about what that requires, my friends. What does prayer and fasting require? Discipline. It requires a great amount of discipline on our part. We can't just be haphazard or careless about our faith. We can't be haphazard and just, oh, well, I'll pick my Bible up Wednesday and don't pick it back up until Saturday night. Or, well, I'd have to pick it up Saturday morning, right? Pick it up Saturday morning and expect God to be faithful in using me when I'm not faithful to Him. Prayer and fasting, giving Him of ourselves, our time. If we expect to have a great measure of faith, how can we have a walk that's only once in a while with God, right? How can we open His Word once a week or go to Him in prayer maybe twice a week and expect to have a great measure of faith? There must be prayer and fasting. There must be discipline in our lives if we want that extra measure of faith. Our faith can grow. I found a story. Sir Edmund Hillary, who attempted to scale Mount Everest, this is many years ago, lost one of, his members, one of the members of his team in a failed effort. He returned to a hero's welcome in London, England, where a banquet held in his honor was attended by the lords and ladies and powerful people of the British Empire. I wonder how he came back as a hero when he said it was, was a failed attempt, but he did. So, behind the speaker's platform were huge blown-up photographs of Mount Everest. But whenever Hillary arose to receive the acclaim of the distinguished audience, he turned around and faced the mountain and he said, Mount Everest, you may have defeated me, but I will return and I will defeat you because you can't get any bigger, but I can. You can't get any bigger, but I can grow. I can grow in my knowledge, I can grow in my strength, and I can get bigger. Is, not, is that not the way 
that we should look at our faith, it can get bigger. It can get stronger. That should be our mindset. In Matthew 17.20, it says, Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Faith is a mustard seed. Tiniest of faith. We could do great things. We should cry out to the Lord as that Father. Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help my faith to increase. The Greek word for under unbelief means faithlessness. It means negativity. It means to disbelieve. What we all thought it to mean, right? It is to doubt. It is to pray... And then say, well, Lord, I know that's a big, I know that's a pretty big ask. Lord, I, I know. My friends, pray and believe. Ask and believe. Do not doubt. I know that's a tall order. I'm human too. I've prayed and doubted. My friends, I too, we all need to pray. Lord, help my unbelief. Pray and do not doubt. Ask and do not doubt. The power to move mountains, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to teach, to preach, to operate in any of the spiritual gifts is not our own power, but His in us. It's having the faith to trust in Him, to use us. I believe when a believer is filled with the gift of faith, that power from on high can do great things. Great and mighty things. We are not to doubt. I found a scripture, again, that talks about doubt. You're all going to recognize this as I read it. Matthew 14, you're not going to have it up there. 14, 25-32. Jesus and the disciples had been on the seashore and they were teaching there was a great multitude there and Jesus said you guys you go ahead and get into the boat and go ahead and head I'll meet you so Jesus stays there and disperses the crowd the great multitude and about the fourth watch of the night so late at night the seas rough in the middle of the night Jesus goes walking on the water walking out to meet them now on the fourth watch of the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered Him and said, Lord, if it is You, command me to come to You on the water. So He said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Why did you doubt? We know what happened. We've heard this Story preached about probably many times, all of us. I know I have, and I've preached about it. He gets out of the boat, 
At first, he's looking at Jesus, isn't he? He's got his eyes focused on Jesus Christ and he's walking on that water. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, doubt entered in. Doubt when he saw the storm. My friends, do we doubt when we see the enemy attacking? Do we see the world? What's going on in the world? Do we doubt? Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. If you want to overcome doubt, we must keep our eyes, keep our focus on Jesus Christ. G. Morgan Campbell, a great preacher of old, he had already enjoyed some success as a preacher by the time he was 19 years old. But then he was attacked by doubts about the Bible. The writings of various scientists and agnostics disturbed him. Charles Darwin, Thomas Huxley, Herbert Spencer, and the like. And as he read their books and listened to debates, Morgan became more and more perplexed. What did he do? He canceled all of his preaching engagements, put all the books in the cupboard and locked the door. And he went to the bookstore and he bought himself a new Bible. And he said to himself, I am no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be, the Word of God. But of this I am sure. If it be the Word of God, and if I come to it with an unprejudiced and open mind, it will bring assurance to my, to my soul of itself. And the result? The Bible found me, he said. With new assurance, in 1883 gave him the motivation for his preaching and teaching ministry. He devoted himself to the study and the preaching of God's Word. Became one of the great preachers of old. But doubt entered in. My friends, we need to do with doubt what he did with those books. Lock them in the cupboard. Right? Amen. Lock them in the cupboard. Now here's another story. You're not going to have it up there either. I added two. It was early in the week when I sent this. This one's about no doubt. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood. Your mouth gets dry sometimes, you can't hardly talk. I'm going to start over. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. My friends, would we not do the same if we had an illness, a loved one? We would spend all that we had. Why? Because we love life, don't we? We love life. We want to have life. We want our loved ones to have life. We want to enjoy life. I'm not afraid to die. Don't want the process that might get there, Right? But she spent all that she had was no better. Had only grown worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, If only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. She said, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself 
the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I should have taken the time to search through the Gospels to see how many times Jesus said, your faith has made you well. We know that it's in there many times, right? That Jesus said to that individual that He had just healed, your faith has made you well. My friends, that's the kind of faith I want. Is that the kind of faith you want? That's the kind of faith He wants us to have. The faith that will make us well. The faith that will deliver that demon-possessed child. The faith to stand against the enemy. He tells us many times, resist the devil and he will flee. Remember this, as I said in the beginning, that light will force that darkness to flee. When we're filled with the light of Christ, there's no room in there for evil spirits brothers and sisters. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, help my unbelief. That's the word for today. I think we all, well, some of us have room to grow in our faith. Let's put it that way. I can't say we all need it. You might have great faith. You might not have one single doubt when you pray or ask the Lord to do something. But I think many of us could probably say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. And you know, I don't want that faith that I might go out there and do extraordinary things that people would throng to me, but Him. You know, there's a song. I don't care if they remember me, but only Jesus. Casting crowns. Only Jesus. I want my faith to be increased so that others will see Jesus in me. Not me, but Jesus in me. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to do all that You want me to do should be all of our prayer. Lord, did I be faithful to You? Help me, Lord. Increase my faith. Amen?